Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. Uh, we're back, Will. We are back. It is, by the time people hear this, we will be post-election. Oh yes. Oh, my God. And we <laughs> may even know who the president is. Because at the time we're recording, we do not know. Yeah, I know. Yet. Uh, we're recording this on November 5th, so we're a couple days after the election. And I I just bring that up because I know that's, been on the mind but by the time the people hear this maybe we'll know yeah yeah and then it'll all be yeah. uh sorted out by then because uh mm. yeah i think this is um where we got a couple of other episodes that are gonna air before this one so yeah, yeah. um keeping our fingers crossed that we <laughs> we all survive no of course we're gonna survive but uh oh but my yeah. gosh we're gonna survive we, but we, it's, it is a lot it is a lot yeah, the the stress of of stuff can can weigh on people. Yeah. So that's the uh, that's the thing. So, but yeah. um, but today, today we are not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we're going international today. So this right. this is like really cool. We get to we get to have a guest from a whole different country, and I'm super excited to have her on here. I I know her personally, so I was. Really excited that she agreed to to join us. But as always, before we get into that, you have a music tip for us. Yes, I week. do. And um, one uh, thing that I was actually trying to, um, well, I was just researching it for from myself personally because as a uh, composer and producer, um, you have a lot of. Uh, sound files and samples and this stuff inside of your your music <laughs> software programs and and some of these programs are pretty good about organizing everything but then you know others you know they're sort of clunky and they take up a lot of um, processing power in your computer so um, I had I was just you know doing a search trying to figure out uh, how people have sort of solved some of these problems and um, came across uh, two options for people. And we'll post the, the links, the website links for them. But uh, a company uh, that actually does a lot of samples and loops called Loop Loop Masters, they have a um, an engine called Loop Cloud that organizes all of your samples and uh, makes it searchable and has a lot of information for it. And, and you can play it back and, so you're not taking up a lot of processing in your music software. But then there's another one. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Loop Cloud might charge. I have to double check that one. But ADSR is the other one, and they're actually free. Um, and you can just uh, oh. download it and it organizes all your sounds in one spot. So that's the tip. Ah, you have got you, – you're such a techie. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I – we're going to start calling the music techie tip, or it could be sometimes you go deep though and philosophical. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 broad range, but you know, as as a <laughs> as a music technology uh, professor, I think I should be on top of some of that. 
That's just, it helps keep you it helps keep you all up to date with your students, yes, but also really informs us that's as it. the general music community. So love that's what it. I'm trying to do. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online literally in minutes. You can choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all of the features you need for your website and EPK already built in. This includes tools to sell music and merch commission-free right on your website, stream your music with flexible options for music downloads, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send professional newsletters, integrations to pull in content from your online services, including YouTube, Twitter, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team. Not one, not two, but seven days a week. Bandzoogle plans start at just $8.29 per month. Yep, that's what I said, just $8.29 per month. And includes your own free custom domain name. Gotta love that. Go to bandzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days. And be sure to use our promo code, MAKINGMONEYPOD, to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. That's again, Making Money Pod to get 15% off the first year. Well, I'm excited again, as everybody can hear me smiling, because, you know, I don't think we're, we're not allowed to bring guests on that we don't get excited about. So <laughs> <laughs> I actually, we, we have in the past, you, you guys know if you've been listening to our show, we bring in a mixture of artists, but we also bring a lot of industry people in. And I just think it's so important to bring as many um, as we can into music industry professionals because really it's the industry professionals that really push, you know, the, the artist right. um, in, the, in the various spaces and outlets. Um, and so without that, you really, you, you, you won't go but so far. So we have brought in um, different public relations professionals and, um, everybody's kind of had their own spin on things. And I thought this might be interesting because our guest today, she, she's in, she does public relations, but she does a lot of other things. And, and what's really cool is she's based in the United Kingdom in the UK abroad. And I think I hear a lot of artists say, I want to get abroad. I want to, you know, be able to do stuff um, outside of the U S and, um, I wonder sometimes, is it different in terms of PR, you know, internationally? Do you have to have a different way of, of thinking um, or doing? So I met um, our guests, I guess, oh my gosh, this has been about five or six years, probably about five years ago when I released my own skin under Expansion Records. And she was the uh, publicist in charge of getting all my stuff moving abroad. And so I, I think and she, it was wonderful working with her. And we've kept in touch. So let's welcome Diane Hines. Hello, Diane. Hey, Diane. Hi, Kenya. Hello. <laughs> How are you both? <laughs> Doing great. We're good. Thank you for such We're good. Thank you for such kind words. And it really is great to be chatting with you again, Kenya, after so many years. I know. It's been too long. I'm I'm working on 
Oh, Lord, this music world, I'm, I'm like every day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this music out, this new project out. So it's good to talk to you and not wait until, <laughs> until the new music is out. But um, we always let our guests, instead of me reading a whole bio, we always let our guests kind of tell their story. It always becomes a little bit more interesting. Um, so if you could just start by sharing, you know, who, what it is you do today, you know, what is, what is your title or what kind of work responsibility and what got you into this whole entertainment public relations world? Okay. So I'm still a PR and I love what I do. I still love what I do after so many years and I still get a buzz out of securing an opportunity for my clients. Um, I've always been into music. I've got three older brothers and they were listening to the radio, uh, buying records in the seventies. And I, you know, I was very much influenced by them. And of a Sunday afternoon evening, we would sit around the radio listening to the chart show presented by a chap called, Oh, Teddy Blackbird. Um, and you know, it was something that was just, we all joined in with, and then they, my two, two of my brothers became mobile DJs and I started following them. And I've always had a passion for music. More importantly, radio. I love radio as a medium. Mm. So I did everything I could to work and get experience. You know, I left, I left college. Um, I didn't do great academically. Um, mm. And I, start, I think the best thing I ever learned to do, thank God, was to touch type because it stood me in good stead ever since because in the early days when times were lean I could go and temp and I've never had to mm -hmm. sign on I don't know whether you know that expression here in the UK signing on meaning you know signing on for the government to you know give me money oh, in order right. to exist yeah. Yeah. um and one of the places that I I you know um I worked um was for BBC appointments many, many years ago. And in those days, we were three secretaries in that office dealing with people writing to the BBC saying, I want to be a makeup artist, I want to be a radio presenter, I want to be a comedy writer. And in those days, this is what, 1984, we had 65 standard letters that my boss in the department would top and tail. And we would send those out. Um, and, you know, people love the BBC. Well, they used to <laughs> in those days. I love it. And <laughs> I still, it still has a wonderful uh, reputation. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it did have, you know, around the world. You know, it's, I hold it dearly, fondly. And mm -hmm. the reason I went to work for the BBC was that I wanted to work in radio. And 12 months after joining BBC appointments, I was then able to apply for internal jobs and I got a position at Radio One as what is now known as a broadcast assistant working for the producers on the shows and what have you. And it was at that point my eyes just went, wow, I met pluggers for the first time. I was invited out by pluggers for lunch, for concerts. They would give me records, you know, and I wasn't anyone significant. I was just the broadcast assistant working on the show. I obviously wanted to get to the producers. But I didn't realize how exciting it was being a plugger, giving away records and going out to concerts for free 
and giving away <laughs> records. <laughs> you know, that's simplifying it. But this was at an era before the internet. And I love people. I love talking, meeting with people. And I was, crikey, I was interviewed by Jive Records at the time and offered a position. And at the same time, I was offered the job at Radio One. And I thought, what do I do? Do I want to go and work for a record company or go and work for the BBC? I went to work for Radio One and it was only a three month attachment, Mm -hmm. but it was a fantastic learning curve. Mm -hmm. And it just cemented the idea that I wanted to then go work for a record company. And having my attachment at Radio One was extended by another three months. And it was an exciting time because it was the time when Radio One launched and broke Paul Simon's Graceland. Mm. You remember that album? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a little, just a little major, just a little. <laughs> yeah. And Radio One at the time was the uh, the station with the highest audience. It really was such an exciting time. And I had to then, after that, go back to my old job in BBC appointments. And I remember my then boss saying to me, Deanne, you're not paid to think, you're paid to shift work. (laughs) And two weeks later, I left the BBC. Yeah, yeah. But it was a huge learning curve. But then I went temping at record labels. And I was working for, I can't remember which label it was, when Michael Jackson's Bad came out. And again, my Mm. God, what an exciting time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's one record label. I I don't know if you heard of um, a chap called Paul Young. Um, He was a big uh, artist in the uh, 80s. And um, I was working a record label. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the girls were like preening themselves, going into the bathroom to make sure their hair looked tidy and the lipstick was done. (laughs) All because this guy was coming into into the label. And I was thinking, oh, my God. You know, I've never been starstruck. I'm impressed by talent. I'm impressed yeah. by character. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I then, at the same time, I started working for hospital radio. I had a Saturday job working for Essex Radio. Um, and I was also working for a pirate radio station. So I was doing everything I can to absorb radio. Mm-hmm. And it really was fun. I wasn't getting paid. You know, some, I, even with my kids, you know, my son is now 21. I had to say to him recently, money isn't everything. You need to find what you're passionate about in life. Right. Because that will carry you through the highs and the lows. Um, so I've been very, very lucky that I've experienced all aspects of radio and I've met extraordinary people who are still friends today. Mm. Beautiful. Nice. And then I went nice. to work for Arista Records and Whitney, Barry Manilow, oh, Aretha wow. Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And is that so so and and Will, I'll let you you know, no, you we, go, we you go, you go ahead. Press. You want uh, me to start? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, radio clearly, I mean, yes, you know, very much a passion based on what you just explained and um, then moving you on into the record labels. And so once you, like when you just said with Arista and with Whitney and so forth, were you directly then put in a more PR space or what was your, like how, well, what was that your was... role once you got there? So, I was sent by the temp agency to 
to be interviewed by the head of marketing at Arista, a lovely chap called Steve McCoffley. And I had my interview with him. And at the end, he said, look, I really don't think you're suited to marketing. And my heart sank. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, (laughs) be polite, smile. And he said, actually, we've got a vacancy in the promotions department. I think you'll be ideal for that. So he Mm -hmm. walked me over to the promotions department. And I met the head at the time, a lady called Kim Glover, who remembered me from Radio 1 and hired me. Mm. Oh, wow. (laughs) And that was it. That was it. That was it. Yeah, yeah and I think right. that cool. that underscores some of the other stuff that we we've been talking about. It just um, the relationships that you build and just getting into the small steps. Actually, we just had a episode talking about you know taking small steps, and that's that's part of um, your part of the the pathway to your success is actually you know just just take just doing some 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 things that you think are mundane. But you, you know, by yes. being at Radio One and having those relationships, it just like set the foundation for you later when you had a job and the lady that you used to work with was the one that hired you. So, I mean, it's, it's it, exactly it's beautiful. Um, you know, my view is nothing is mundane. Right. You're doing it for a reason, whether you're spiritual or a believer in the universe. It's for a purpose. It's right. how you manage that mon- that job that you think is mundane. Because everything is a learning curve. And if you are not learning, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, no, we, we talk a lot about these building blocks and and how sometimes, you know, one thing doesn't seem like it's related to the other thing. But it's like you just said, it's kind of up to the, the universe <laughs> to connect those dots. And it's in hindsight that you're like, Oh, and so I don't know the take home to me. And I hope our, our artist listeners and anybody take this home is that, you know, do what you love, do what you're passionate about, because then the pathways yes. will start to, they'll start to show themselves in ways that well, you we have can't a, even fathom. Yeah. We have a saying here in the UK um, is if you find a job you love, you will never work a day in your life. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We have that same saying. Well, I hope people listen to that. I think it's hard in our society and maybe it's like this in, I don't know if it's like this in the UK or not, but you know, the, the material people want things. And so it's like, let me just do what it takes so I can get my things and not understanding, you know, that things can still be got by you doing by you being true to your purpose, yeah. so yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so, finish finish the story and tell us after when you got to Ar- the, dealing with Arista and and uh, and then how how did that bring you to where you are now? So, um, I was working at Arista, and I'm Aries, and I'm too Aries, and ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> And um, Aries are fire starters. They start that we fire. Are. But they, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was interesting because um, I, I loved what I was doing. Um, and I was, shouldn't have been comparing myself with my marketing equivalent. And my marketing equivalent was getting a car, a company car. And hang on, I'm on the road and I'm taking artists on the road to do interviews and they wouldn't give me a car. Um, and things like that just started to irk. Mm. And um, I subsequently met a lovely man called Reynolds De Silva, who 
um, runs a film soundtrack label. And we would go and have coffee and chat. And I was becoming very frustrated at Arista. Barry Manilow had come in um, with his boyfriend at the time and he wasn't out. And we were all sitting in the conference room and I was at the back and I could not stop crying. Mm. And all I could think about was that I, I've got to get out of here. I can't mm. do this anymore. I've got to get out of here. And I did the one of the few foolish things I've ever done in my life. But I don't <laughs> regret it. Mm. Um, I went upstairs to my desk and I typed up my resignation letter. I put it in an envelope. And I then put it on the um, the record label head's desk and I walked out. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, it's something that I just had to do. Yeah. And Reynolds um, found out and asked me to go work for them. And I said, no, they were working with a chap who was then Phantom in the West End, in Phantom of the Opera, and had also come across a soprano that they were recording. And three times Reynolds said, look, come and work for us, come and set up our PR department. I said, no, I know nothing about classical music. I'm a, you know, R&B girl, you know. And the universe looking after me, the fourth time I met Ren, he said to me, Deanne, it's not the fact that you don't know anything about classical music. The machinery is exactly the same. Mm. And you know that light bulb Mm -hmm. moment? I then went to work Mm -hmm. for him. And thank God he had faith in me. And um, I set up the PR department for the label and launched an opera singer called Leslie Garrett, with whom we all enjoyed six UK classical number one albums. Mm. Oh, wow. I don't know anything about classical music. (laughs) (laughs) The engine is exactly the same for an author, for an actor, for a singer. And he was right. Mm. Yep. He was absolutely right. Um, and then um, I guess I got a bit too big for my boots because two years later, he asked me to leave the company. And I can't even remember over what. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I did. But I then went and became Leslie's PR agent. And I started getting people coming to me because of the success with Leslie asking me to work with them and represent them. But it was fantastic. You know, it was an amazing time. And in the course of that, I met a really lovely chap um, called uh, John Stanley, who at the time was Nigel Kennedy's manager. Mm. And I was the third PR brought in to promote his book, Classical Music, The Great Composers, and their masterworks, and the only one that stayed. And I remember having conversations with him, and he would say to me, he said, wow, you you work a lot with your instinct and intuition. That's rare. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, I just know what I do, and I find ways through it. You know, if somebody is um, undiagnosed dyslexic in their 20s, they automatically find workarounds. Yeah. And that was right. what I was doing because I loved my job. I loved the artists that I was working with. 
And it was in the days, admittedly, when you could pick up the phone to somebody, a journalist or producer, and say, hey, I've got so-and-so happening, are you interested? And often you'd have success rates. Right. Thanks to the internet now, it's a gatekeeper. And unless you are on message with whatever it is you're promoting, you will struggle. Right. So, you know, I was very, very lucky. Um, and Leslie was amazing as well. Um, because of her, I, w- I worked for English National Opera, freelance. I worked with the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. Things that I would never have imagined that I would get to do. Right. Yeah. Because, and I look back now and I think, my God, the universe is looking after me. I'm a vicar's daughter, by the way. I'm not particularly religious, <laughs> but something or someone is looking after me. <laughs> well, well, yeah. well, I am too, but we don't, we, we call it a, a priest, uh, a son, son of a, a PK. priest or PK, <laughs> a preacher's kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yes. Well, no, and it's so funny because every guest we bring on, it's something about our spirituality and the universe pops up in our discussion. So I hope people pay attention to that running theme <laughs> because it is yes. it is a big part. It's a it's a huge part of your journey. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. So you know, one of the things that I, I was a huge takeaway for me when I worked at the BBC in the appointments department was that when they had their graduate training schemes um, annually, um, they would always suggest you demonstrate a proven interest. And by that it was, so if you wanted to be a journalist, are you working for a local paper? Are you doing anything with your university paper? You know, what else are you doing in order to get experience? other than just applying for this job. So that was a huge takeaway and it still stays with me even now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They, they want yeah. somebody well-rounded and, and broad in their awareness. And that's, uh, I mean, that that's, it, it brings, it's an asset. It's, it's basically how many assets do you have <laughs> to bring to the situation? Indeed. So. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Yes. But, you know, I've basically been freelance since the day that um, Reynolds asked me to leave the company. Um, and I've not really looked back. You know, there have been highs and lows, but for who hasn't had those? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been very fortunate to meet and work with the people that I, I, I have. So, so yeah. the, the current time period that you're, uh, we're, we're not jumping into COVID yet, but... Um, but with your the way you're running your company now, um, in the digital world, because there's basically two major shifts that have happened for me for music. Yep, is the uh, the digital and then COVID. But let's let's leave COVID on the side for a minute. But the digital world with uh, the radio pretty much um, shifting to Spotify and YouTube, um, and radio still is there. But it's it's not the major player that it used to be, and and then yeah. all the other media outlets and the way people find out about artists. Um, how how did you uh, shift? And I guess what 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 are you what are you doing with your business to basically um, reach into those areas? Well, this is very interesting because you remember I said you know we have the rise of the internet and with it came gatekeepers. About seven years ago, I just thought, I just don't know how to do my job anymore. 
Right. Um, and it was frustrating. And I thought, I need to go back to school. So I signed up to go and do a degree in public relations. And I thought they would laugh at me. I've been a, an experienced PR for 20 odd years. Why am I going to go and do a degree? Right. They were amazing. They embraced me and welcomed me. And I did two years of that. And it was really funny because I remember um, I was talking to a business colleague at the time and saying, oh, my, my first module is about campaigning. And he said, you know what that is anyway. And I'm thinking, what is campaigning? <laughs> because I had this instinct and intuition for what I did naturally and organically, I couldn't associate it with words and terminology. Mm. And when I was doing that course, I remember certain things that were coming up and thinking, what does this mean? What is that? And then I suddenly went, oh, God, I've done that. Yeah, I know. I just didn't mm-hmm. know how to put a terminology to it. Right, right. But right. I'm so grateful for the course leader at the time because she asked me to go and deliver a, a campaign to her first years on which I had worked. And I did. And after that, she looked at me because she was teaching me. She looked at me and she said, my God, Deanne, you have transformed because I was a very quiet student into somebody who could take talk confidently about campaign, particularly one on which I'd worked. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, would you like to come and teach our students? Wow. I said, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I then moved on to a master's because I realized I have an interest in cultural studies. Mm-hmm. So I did my master's and I'm teaching first years. And then I realized, you know what? I love teaching. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that, that decision that I made to go back to school, as you, uh, you guys say, you know, university, mm-hmm. um, opened up another stage in my life because I thought I found out that I had this confidence and ability to speak and communicate. Mm. So I, then devised a series, uh, a talk, or a couple of talks aimed at independent writers uh, because independent writers, self-publishing was quite big at the time. And I thought, well, how do these authors know how to promote themselves? Right. So I devised this talk, how to promote your books aimed at the independent writer. And I thought, this is my part of giving back because then I offered it to my libraries here in the UK cost-free that meant I got the space for free. And my God, the people that I met. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go to the States. I'm going to do this out there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So I did throughout California. Some of them paid me, some didn't, but it wasn't about that. It was giving back and helping to empower other people. Yeah. you know. And um, I gave a talk in Nevada and it was the third talk that I did in, sorry, in Las Vegas. And I was preparing for this talk and this lady came up to me she said oh can I help you with anything I said no no no, I'm good at the moment and afterwards she said look can I help you clear up so she did and when I was delivering those talks I said to people you know artists singers musicians would come along as well I just branded it that way because that was the message and people Mm -hmm. bought into the message Mm -hmm. and when I delivered my talks I said to people okay I'll give you 15 minutes of my time free of charge if you want to go over something to help you define whatever it is you need to do, whether that's writing a press release, defining your message or approaching your contacts. And this lady came up to me. She said, look, can I please have 15 minutes of your time? 
and it ended up longer than that. And I was very happy to do it. So when I went back to Vegas this year, I spent three and a half months there. She reached out to me. I've been there two weeks and she said, look, you know, and we had coffee and chatted. And she said, look, I'm having a party on so-and-so Saturday. Basically, what she had done was that she had introduced me to a number of her contacts. And she's a singer who used to go on tour as a backing singer with the likes of Barry White, mm. the Mac Band, mm. you know, people of that ilk. Mm-hmm. And she started doing these things for me. I didn't ask her to, but not everything is about money. Right. And what has happened is that because of her engaging with me and opening doors led to me working in Las Vegas this summer from, the, from London. Wow. I opened my office a year ago and I met so many people through her. And, you know, I, I signed an artist to expansion. It mm-hmm. charted um, in the Sweet Rhythms chart. You know, all these things happen if you are passionate about what you do. Right. And if you reach a time when you feel you can give back, not do it for money, but give back, back other things happen for you right right wow yeah Yeah. no your your passion is definitely i mean you are evidence of of following the passion and and that's kind of one of the questions i had (laughs) (laughs) um because i think especially with COVID right now we're being called to really look at all right (laughs) who are who am i indeed yeah you know who am i and why am i and we don't have the same level, if any, of distraction, um, distractions that kind of told us. And so doing the freelance and, you know, still, do you find even in this kind of stressful or what could be stressful kind of space, that purpose, that you're still being guided like that? Or how are you managing through this major shift in terms of your business? Well, it's tough. It's tough because on the one hand, I've got sickle cell disease, so I'm high risk. Mm. So I've been shielding since the 1st of April. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to be very careful. I don't go out. The so life is pretty dull. And that's really hard for somebody who's outgoing and loves traveling. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and also the money isn't there. Um, I was speaking to um, the manager of a heritage band a couple of weeks ago. and they wanted to move out of this niche soul music market into mainstream. And I had an hour and a half Zoom conference with the lead and the manager and said, look, you know, you're telling me these aspects about how it came into being, but in the press release that you sent me, there's no mention of it. I said, I will need to sit down with you for about another hour and I'm going to have to provoke you, I ask you the questions, the uncomfortable questions, in order to get a sense of who and what you are and how the band came into being, how your career has informed the band and the music. And I said, this is time. And I said, you know, what I use with clients is what I term as um, the advertising value equivalent, Mm -hmm. which means that the ad space, you know, newspapers paid we refer to it as real estate is worth an awful lot of money. So if you're paying me X amount a month and I'm getting you a full page in 
let's say, the Daily Express here in the UK, or I get you that in, or I get you on the Stephen Colbert show in America, that airtime is valuable in advertising spend. So your investment in a PR is going to be fantastic if you're getting these opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and each one that I get is going to be a return on that investment. So this is why I charge because I've got experience, I've got the contacts, I've got the value, mm-hmm. and I can do this for you because I know how to define and deliver your message. Mm-hmm. And I found out that they were paying somebody something like 150 pounds and were expecting me <laughs> to charge that. And um, yeah. I just said, no, you know, you're paying for my years of expertise, my contacts in the national media. Right. And I can bring you a return on investment. But also since the credit crunch in 2008, companies started to dispose of their PR departments or bring them mm. into their advertising departments because it's only now through COVID um that PR professionals are actually getting a seat at the board table. Uh, Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, if you're a freelancer, people don't treat you with that respect as much because they think it's music. You want to work with a big name, you'll do it for nothing. Yep. Uh, I know what I'm worth. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- I think that there was a, a more of a respect for that, uh, you know, back in the day as they, as we would say, but it's, you know, the, I guess the, because people knew that freelance PR people, the, the reason why they're freelance is because they're successful and they can, they, they have the contact tax and they can, you know, deliver. And that's, that's why they went out on their own. <laughs> it's like, why, why get it? Be, be aligned with a larger company when I can, you know, make, make, I don't have to, you know, give somebody else part of the money. But, um, yeah, but yeah I yeah. think we're in a different time and space now. And I think people, I uh, just have, have a stigma that if you're freelance or you're indie or whatever, you're not as, as either reputable or established or successful. I think that that's the term, but, uh, it's, it's, it's far from the truth in, in certain it's areas, far especially from the truth. like, yeah, yeah. Indeed. You know, I, I often say people don't value what they don't pay for. Right. And you get what you pay for. Right. Well, And, and I, one of the questions, sorry. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, I think that people, it's really important for our listeners, especially to understand the shifts of the entertainment and music industries and the breakdowns of these major corporate entities have created a ton of freelance entertainment professionals, whether it be in PR, you know, radio promotions, all of that. It's the the systems themselves have broken down. And so what's kind of fascinating and fantastic is independent artists now have accessibility to people like you who have worked for major labels and know the, the, the actual machine. And so, you know, your reach, like you just said, is very far. And it's not like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you've worked in these in these spaces that have that have given you really strong relationships. And I always tell artists, if you're going to go and find an independent public relations person or a, a publicist, you really need to know what their relationships are. Because that's, that's exactly. going to be more telling 
if, if they're going to get you where, you know, where you're trying to go. If you're going with someone who, like you said, is 150 pounds, who doesn't have those relationships yet, just understand, not to say that they're not good, but they haven't grown yet to get maybe that reach that you're hoping for. So just understand that. Um, so, yeah. yeah. We're getting low on our Absolutely. time. You know oh, no. Yeah, we can have it. One of the questions you, you raised was about how do people go about finding a PR? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I would like to highlight is about word of mouth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, talk to other people, find out with whom they work. Um, get examples of the the PR's work. Um, talk to them. Sit down and talk to them because this is about your career, your right. life. Right. So you need to be comfortable with them. When you sit and talk to them, does that relationship feel comfortable or are you feeling uncomfortable? Ask yourself why. Right. You know, because the relationship is like, it's like a marriage. You know, you are going to be in that relationship as close as a marriage mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. Um, and you have to trust in the PR that they know that they will understand you and will, your own goals and to treat you with respect as an artist. And that goes both ways. Right. Right. <laughs> it's important you know, to say it's that important goes both ways. Because, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what are your expectations when you hire a PR? And, you know, how badly do you feel that you need to invest in a PR right now? Because thanks to social media, there's a lot you can do initially. If you've exhausted that and you need to take the next step, then think about hiring a PR. Right. And I think that education piece is really important. When you talk about you were teaching, and I think there's a huge space to be able to teach independent artists what you just said. Like to really understand what are you, you know, really making that workshops and teaching people, um, not getting yourself out of a job per se, teaching people how to necessarily take what you do, but just so that they can differentiate. Cause a lot of people don't know, they don't really understand the respect that publicists really, really need to have, um, with what they do, but we're running out of time. I know we'll, I don't want us to fall off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you, if you could, uh, just well, let thank you for know. having me. Oh, oh no it's problem, been a no pleasure. Problem. Thank you for sharing this, your journey. Is, yeah. And yeah. And, and awesome information. And, lots of, and right. Good, great story too. <laughs> that, that, that's a what we, that's what we story. really enjoy. We love, love yeah. the backstory. So, uh, and, but and if, you, yeah. if you could let people know about how to reach out, uh, to you, how to get back, get in touch with you and, and if they, you know, want to use your services, um, how, to, how should they contact you? Um, via the website. So it's theentertainmentbureau.co.uk or mm-hmm. find me on Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. 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 We will include all that in our show notes. And definitely you're open to, you, you answer direct messages or emails and stuff, right? So people I have- I absolutely <laughs> do. It's just me. Yes. Yes. Awesome. So make sure you follow her. And, and if you want to know, have some more specific questions, particularly with the international kind of spin on stuff reach out so all right will that is it for this week another great episode another great episode another great episode and again we're going to be bringing in emerging artists we're kind of starting that up a bit more so indie artists that are on the they're on the verge but the world may not know them but they're on the verge so make sure you guys continue to tune in as we bring the goods yep 
All right. We'll see you all. (laughs) Talk to you all next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you would like to join our new artist development program, the 3MB Club, please contact us via email at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.